Well, we want to echo that. Happy Mother's Day, Mom, and thank you, Chartel Kids, for that uh, great video. We just, uh, again, we just miss seeing you guys around here, and make, seeing all those kids makes me just want to start running house to house and start hugging somebody. I'll tell you what. Hey, I, was, I came across a little thing, and I, I, I started editing, and I thought I wanted to write some of this. I started, came across a little thing that's talked about 10 things Mom would never say, and uh, I thought these were absolutely hilarious. These are things I think as growing up you wish your mom would say, but she never really would. See, if you can fit your mom into any of these. 10 things mom would never say. Number one, don't worry about wearing a bike helmet. it only mess your hair up. Mom's never said that, did No, we never said that to our son either. Number two, that's okay, sweetie. I used to skip school a lot too. <laughs> no, mom's didn't, didn't say that. How about this? Your mom, did you ever get on you about this? Just leave all the lights on. It just makes the house look more cheery. <laughs> no. Uh, number four, let me smell that shirt. Yeah, it's good for another week. Yeah, you can go ahead and wear that. Number five, go ahead and keep that stray dog, honey. I'll be glad to feed and walk him every day for you too. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Well, number six, well, as long as there aren't going to be any adults there to spoil the fun, sure, you can spend the night with Brandon. <laughs> no, mom's probably hadn't, didn't say that either. Number seven, the curfew around here is it's just a general time to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison here. No, no. Uh, how about this one? I don't have any Kleenex, number eight, I don't have any Kleenex with me. Just use your sleeve. Better yet, use your sister's sleeve. <laughs> number nine, don't bother wearing a jacket. The windshield is bound to improve. No, probably not. I love this one. Number 10, start with the ice cream. We don't want that broccoli spoiling your appetite. No. Well, your moms probably won't say any of those things to you, but uh, we want you to make sure you spoil them today on their, their day as well. Hey, we're in this uh, series called Defining Moments, and I've been trying to look at um, some of the, the little things that really make a big difference in our relationships. In fact, when I was framing this series, I, I was thinking about, we have these moments um, in, in, our, in our relationships where we have a chance to either make the relationship a lot better or we make it a lot worse. And what's interesting is a lot of times we're not even aware what a pivotal moment that is. And one of the, one of the things I thought about um, is this whole issue of trust in our relationships. Um, I began to think about how important trust is for us to really connect, particularly at a deep level, and yet how easily it can either be built or, or broken. And so I want to talk about, about trust today. Let me, let me start with this. Let me give you just four facts about trust. I sat down this week and I was just kind of thinking about, let me just kind of give you some general ideas of, of some thoughts that I had about why trust is so important. Number one, trust is foundational in every relationship. You know, when we, when we think, about, uh, think about trust, it's, it's, not, it's not just about um, between a husband and wife. When I begin to think about it, you realize that trust is important in every relationship. It is important between a husband and wife, but it's also important between parents and their kids. We want to be able to trust our kids. In fact, that becomes an issue when, when kids aren't being trustworthy. Uh, kids want to be able to trust their parents. Um, and I begin to think about it, you know, even with friends, you want friends that you can trust. You, when, when you have a friend and you tell them something, you want to know that they're not going to tell everybody else. There's a lot of trust there. When you go to work, you want a boss that you can trust. When you're a boss, you want employees that you can trust. Trust is really essential in every single relationship. 
Secondly, and this is really, I think, frustrating for us, is that trust can't be demanded. It can only be given. It can only be given. Look at me for a second. You got to get this. Trust is a relational gift. You can't pull trust out of someone. You can only invite them to trust you by the behavior and the attitude that you relate to them with. Did you get that? You can't pull trust out of someone. You can only invite them to trust you by the behaviors and the attitudes that you display. And that is so pivotal. You can't demand it. Thirdly, and I bet you found this, trust is easier to maintain than it is to rebuild. Trust is easier to maintain than it is to rebuild. You know, what's so interesting is how you can watch in relationships or uh, in any number of venues how you can, you know, you can build trust and yet how once you lose that trust for whatever reason, how hard it is to rebuild that all over again. If you are in a relationship, whatever relationship it is, and there is trust there between you, you just got to get this. It's a whole lot easier for you if you focus on how do I maintain this? How do I keep that trust level up than it is to break that and try to rebuild it? Rebuilding it is very, very hard. And number four, and this is the whole, really the, the gist of what I wanted to talk about today, is that trust is built or destroyed by the little things as well as the big things. Trust is built or destroyed by the little things as well as the big things. You know, when you think about trust, I mean, we all, we all get this. Um, you know, if, if, if I lie, cheat, or steal from you, you're not going to trust me. We get that. You know, those are biggies. You know, if you, if you lie to me, I'm not going to trust you. If you cheat me, I'm not going to trust you. If you steal from me, I'm not going to trust you. But what we don't understand is there are a lot of smaller, subtle, but very powerful things that we do that also either will build the trust or will bust the trust. And that's what I want to I spend the next few moments on. I'm not going to talk long this morning, but I, I, I want to give you just a, a few things that I, hope, I think can really help you in your relationship if you, can, if you can get these. Are you ready? Here we go. Let me just give you a few. This is, these are trust builders versus being trust busters. Now, let me give you the first one. The first one is really simple, but it comes out in a lot of very powerful ways. And that is simply this. Keep your commitments. Keep your commitments commitments. Um, one of the things that I really, and I hate to confess this publicly, but you know, one of the things I really had to have God help me with in my journey of life uh, was I brought into my adult life a lot of codependency. And in my codependency, it made me a people pleaser. And when you're a people pleaser, you often tell people what you think you, you want, they want to hear. Um, and along the way, what, what Caught, what we begin to do is we begin to make promises that we can't keep or we will overcommit. And the result of that is that we're not able to live up to those promises or we don't keep up with all of those commitments. And whenever we don't keep those commitments, whenever we break those promises, whenever even when we have great intentions, we don't fulfill them, what begins to happen is people begin to realize, you know what, you say this, but this is what you do. And the trust begins 
till wane. You know, I wonder if some of you may have been frustrated with me at some point because one of the phrases my wife taught me that has really saved me through the years is this simple phrase that says, let me process that. Let me process that. Um, and sometimes you may stop me on a Sunday or you may see me and you may say, Pastor, can you do this? And uh, a lot of times, as much as I love you, I may, I may want to say yes. A lot of times, some of you, you, you will hear me say, let me process that. And what that's doing is giving me a chance to ask the question, can I really live up to what you're asking me? Can I really do this? Because what I know is you would much rather me <laughs> you know, live up to what I'm going to tell you than to tell you one thing and to do another. Now, for those of you who are, are like me, you too are codependent, or you too tend to say yes very readily, learn that phrase. Let me process that. Give yourself a chance to answer the question, can you really do it? Because if you don't live up to your commitments, they don't trust you. I, I love what G, uh, James says in James 5. He said, you know, above all, we must be those who never need to verify our speech as truthful by swearing by the heavens or earth or any other oath. I love, I love what he says. He says, but instead, we must be so full of integrity that our yes or no is convincing enough and we do not stumble into hypocrisy. Now, what James is getting at is referring kind of back to what Jesus talked about in Matthew 5, where he says, you know, don't, make, don't swear by anything. And, and, and the whole point of that was the fact that people would actually kind of uh, hide themselves behind these oaths. They, they would make an oath and they would say, I swear by whatever. And, and whatever it is they were swearing by, they didn't think was valuable, which meant for them, they didn't have to live up to what they were saying. Look at me. We want to be people that when we say to our spouse, when we say to our kids, when we say to our parents, we say to our boss, we say to our employees, whatever it is that we say, we want to be people who can be taken at our word. And if you want to answer the question today, how can, how can you build and strengthen the trust in your relationships? Really simple, this one thing. Keep your commitments. Be a person of your word. One of the things I thought about is, you know, sometimes, it, you know, we're, we're so good-hearted and we do overcommit, and, and, and what we know in our heart of hearts is that we, we meant well, but one of the things I wrote down is, you know what, we know our intentions, but other people only know our behavior. You know, we know that we meant well, but all people know is we said this is what we would do, and we didn't do it. There was a, 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 really a, a great uh, piece in C.S. Lewis's biography. He, um, he was talking about it being in World War I, and he had a buddy who uh, was very fearful, and his buddy kept telling C.S. Lewis that he was afraid he was going to be killed in the war, and he was fearful about who would take care of his daughter and his wife. And during that time, uh, C.S. Lewis said to the man, you know what, if, if anything happens to you, um, I'll take care of him. I'll take care of him. He was giving this man reassurance. Now, can we just be honest? You know, a lot of times in circumstances like that, when people are very fearful, we will say things. Um, and we say it really because we want to calm their fear. But what was really interesting in this story, um, in C.S. Lewis' biography, was that this guy did get killed during the war. And C.S. Lewis came back, and he lived up to his word. He took care of the guy's wife and the guy's daughter. Interestingly enough, 
the guy's wife was really not a nice woman. And as C.S. Lewis extended generosity and as he extended empathy and as he did a lot of things for them, the woman was domineering, she was rude, she was arrogant, she was ungrateful. But yet, in spite of all of those things, I love it, in spite of all of those things, C.S. Lewis lived up to his word. His word wasn't contingent upon her response. That's living up to your commitments. And I hope that's how you and I can be. Live up to your commitments. Number two, second thought I want to give you today. And again, this is something I think that where a lot of us lose the trust in our relationship. Is take responsibility for failures and commit to change. Take responsibilities for failures and commit to change. Now, I want to, I want to talk about both of those for just a second you know, when we talk about um, the fact that every single one of us fail, we all let each other down. We, we, we do things, we mess up, we make mistakes, we say things we shouldn't have said or do things we shouldn't have done or we, you know, whatever. And, and there's two pieces of this. One is owning it. Own, one, one is owning it and really admit it. But the other is also committing to change. Now, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to camp there long. But it, people want more than just us saying, well, yeah, I messed up. People want to know, so are you sorry enough about that that you're willing to do something different? Um, I, I love what Proverbs 28, 13 says from the, the Living Bible. He says, a, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. Now listen to this. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Let me say that again. If he confesses, and forsakes them, he gets another chance. In other words, if he just confesses, and he confesses over and over and over, and he keeps the same behavior, what people know is you really don't mean it, and you know what? There's no trust in that. But if you confess and forsake, if you do enact change in your behavior, guess what? You can get a second chance, and you can rebuild that trust. Now, I want to unpack this just a little bit because if we're honest, taking ownership for our responsibility uh, is, is not, it, it, it's just not natural in our culture. We, we are a culture, we are a species who love to, to, to not take responsibility for it. And I, and I want to give you four uh, just trust-busting behaviors that we see. And you can figure out which one of these, it may be your tendency, but instead of taking responsibility, here are four kinds of behaviors that will bust the trust in your relationship. The first one is excusing. Excusing. Um, when you mess up, when you hurt somebody, when you do something wrong, when you make a mistake, and it becomes known, do you own that mistake or do you make an excuse for that mistake? I love it. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. That's Gene Wilson. Gene is the, um, he's the police chief in Conyers, Georgia. Uh, one morning he pulled into a, a fast food restaurant and had himself a, a little breakfast. And uh, when he came out of the fast food restaurant, he noticed that there was a car without a handicap sticker in the window that was parked in the handicap space. And to his horror, he realized it was his car. He had parked 
his city given car in a handicapped spot, even though he's not handicapped. And he was, he was just befuddled. He could not believe that he did this. There was clearly a sign there. And somehow, as he pulled into that place, he just absolutely missed it. But here's, here's what I love. He, instead of making an excuse and say, well, I just didn't see it, or making an excuse and say, well, I'm the chief, chief of police. I can park anywhere. Gene Wilson drove to the to police station, and he had one of his officers write him a citation, and he himself paid a $280 ticket for parking in a handicapped spot. I loved it. You see, here's a guy who could have walked away, drove his car away, and, and probably nobody would have been the wiser. But instead, instead of making excuses, instead of blowing off, guess what? Gene owned it, and he paid it. I love that. Just a, just a simple question. But when you mess up, do you, make, do you own it, or do you make excuses? Let me give you another one. Blaming. Blaming. Okay, wherever you are, you know I can't see your hand, but I want the people around you to see your hand. How many of you have ever blamed someone else for your mistakes? Absolutely. Why did I laugh when we, uh, early in our marriage, when uh, we, we were, we, <laughs> we would be notoriously late to stuff. And it was so funny because the inevitable that usually both of us were running behind but the deal for us, which is whenever, whichever one of us got to the car first, um, we could say we were in the car waiting for the other one so we could blame them. And, 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 and that's just often how it goes in relationships. You know, you don't, instead of taking ownership for it, you want to you blame somebody else. And it, go, it goes back to the beginning of time. You remember in the garden when, when Adam and Eve sinned? And, uh, and God comes in the garden and he goes, what have you done? Do you remember what Adam did? The very first thing Adam did, what did he do? He blamed his wife. You know, the woman you gave me made me do this. I was fine in the garden all by myself. You gave me this woman, you know, and she's the one talked me into eating the apple. Well, you know, it was really her fault or your fault for giving her to me. You know, and he didn't. Instead, rather than take responsibility, he blames the woman. Again, God says to the woman, what are you doing? The devil made me do it. You know, the devil made me do it. It is so funny, and we do this so often in our culture, is blame someone else for our attitudes or for our behaviors or for our mistakes. This was, a, a, I thought, a crazy story. Throw that picture up on the screen. This is Rodney Joyner, Rodney Jermaine Joyner. A couple years ago, um, Rodney robbed a guy at, in Florida State University campus. He's like 36, 37 years old. But he was on camp, he got on campus and he was high on drugs and he robbed a guy, actually ended up stabbing the guy, he had pulled a knife on the guy and ended up stabbing the guy. And, uh, but when Rodney was caught, what I thought was crazy was his excuse to the police uh, wasn't that he needed the money, even money for drugs. You know what he did? He said, my girlfriend is from Haiti and she has cast a voodoo spell on me that caused me to do this. He really believed he ought to get off with this because he was under this voodoo spell. He blamed his girlfriend. Crazy. Just a question. But who did you blame this week? Some of us blame our spouse. Some of us blame our kids. Some of us blame our work. Some of us blame God. And I'm going to look you in the eye and I want to tell you something, and this is straight from the heart. Your life is never going to change 
And it's never really going to get any better. And your relationships are never going to get any healthier until the day you take responsibility for them and stop blaming everybody else. Uh, two others I'll give you real quick. Is another trust-busting behavior is, 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 is when we minimize things. It's this minimizing that we do. When we mess up giving ourselves a pass by saying, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, you know, I was only 15 minutes late. I really wasn't that late. And we try to make it smaller than it was. And, and I just go back to say, you know what, just because it's not important to you doesn't mean it's not important to the people around you. Stop minimizing things. Take full responsibility for, for the level that it deserves. And last thing I want to share is, is what I called loopholing. That's not a word. I made that up. Um, but loopholing. And I thought about just how many times um, in, in, in relationships we... We try to let ourselves off because we say, well, you know, technically I wasn't late because in California it's really two hours earlier. And so really if I was on California time, I would have been, you know, or we try to, we try to find, you know, technically or actually or, you know, we try to put this frame around us. Like if we can find this loophole, then somehow what we did or what we said is okay. Look at me. Stop it. Just stop it. You hate that when someone does that to you. You hate that when you go to a company uh, with something that they've messed up with and they try to find a loophole to get it. You hate that when other people do it or companies do it. Let's stop doing it ourselves. Let's rid ourselves of the trust-busting behavior that we do. It's real simple. Take ownership, take responsibility for the failures, mistakes, or things that you do and work toward change. You'll build trust that way. Let me give you one more. Go above and beyond. Go above and beyond. Now, I could have given you a lot of of different things today because there are a lot more things that could really help you build trust. But here's what hit me as I was working on this week. I started thinking about who are the people uh, that that I really trust in my life? Who who are the, the, the companies that I really trust and you know what I kept, I kept going back to? They are people or companies that just go way above and beyond. Um, several years ago, when we, were, when we were living in Phoenix, I had, had taken my car into a discount tire, which was really close to our house. And um, I had had them rotate our, our tires for us on my Impala that I had at the time. And came home, and that night, I think, uh, I think Ben uh, took the car. He had a date or was going out somewhere or something, but he took the car that night. And the next day, when I came back out to the car to um, take it to work, uh, I happened to look down, and there was a hubcap on my back driver's side wheel that was missing. And I didn't really notice it the day before, um, and but it wasn't there. I knew we had had all of them when I took the car in, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know. So I I, I took the car. I, I drove over to Discount Tire, and I thought, well, maybe when they were rotating the tires, maybe they took the hubcaps off, and maybe one of them they just forgot to put one back on. So I went over to Discount Tire, and I'll never forget. I went in and I I, I talked to the guy. He said, "What can I do for you?" I said, "Well, I had my car in yesterday, and I said I had the tires rotated, and I said today I came out. I said one of my hubcaps is missing." 
And I said, now, I don't know if it's here. I said, my son drove the car last night, um, you know, had a date or something. I said, he, he had the car. It could have came off. I said, but I just, I just wanted to check and see if, if perhaps it was in here in the shop, if they, somebody just forgot to put it back on. Just wanted to check. And so the guy went out and he came back. He said, I'm, I'm really sorry. He said, there's, there's no hubcap out there. I said, well, okay. I said, you know, I don't know. I said, I don't know if it was here or there. I don't know where it's at. And he said, well, let me see your car. I walked out. He looked at it. He wrote down the information. He came back and, and he said, well, I'm going to order you one. And I said, no, 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 you don't need to do that. I said, I, I don't know if you, if you lost my hubcap or not. I'm not blaming you for that. I just wanted to see if it was here. He said, no. He said, Mr. Childs, you brought your car in. You have a hubcap missing. He said, we may or may not have done it. He said, but if we did, I want to take care of it. It's not a big deal. And I, I was stood there just dumbfounded that this guy who I never blamed, never put any responsibility, took responsibility, ordered me a hubcap. Called me a couple days later when it came in, came in and brought my car in, and they put it back on the car. Now, you know what? I don't know how many years ago that's been, probably 20. And I have, whenever I have tires, I need tires, guess where I go? I go to Discount Tire. Now, they're not paying me anything for this ad. (laughs) What I want to say to you is this what I learned in that interaction that I had was this was a company I could trust. Why? They went above and beyond. They didn't just live up to their responsibility. They did that and then some. Here's a simple question to you. When people rely on you, do you do the bare minimum? When you're asked to do chores or take care of something, do you simply do what's required? Or do you do what's required and then some? You got to get this. I'm helping you. You see, every time you go above and beyond, whether it's in your relationship to your spouse, your parents, or your, or your boss, anytime you go above and beyond, you're putting collateral in that relationship, which means to them they can trust you. I love the statement in Genesis 39, 6. It's the story of Joseph. When Joseph went to work for Potiphar, look at, listen to what this says. It says, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. Listen to this. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing. He didn't worry about a thing. Now, just a question, but would anyone ever say that about you? Would anyone ever give you responsibility for it? And would they just turn a blind eye and say, you know what, I've given it to this person. You know what, I, what I know is they are gonna do everything that's required and then some. They're gonna go above and beyond. I'm not gonna have to worry about a thing. That is trust. I love what Colossians 3.23 says. And I want you to think about this with me. Paul wrote to the church and he says, whatever work you do, Do it with all of your heart. Do it for the Lord and not for men. And when I thought about that this week, the thought I had was, I wonder what would happen for us in our relationships with each other if if we really took to heart these words of Jesus when he said, as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. I wonder what would happen in our relationships if we really sought trust from other people the way we really wanted to seek trust from God.
Seek the trust of others as though you were seeking the trust of God. Are you building trust in your relationships? Or are you busting trust? I want you to just take a moment wherever you are. If you would, just, just close your eyes for a second. And for a moment, would you just let God speak to you about the relationships in your life? With, with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents, with your boss, with your employees, with friends that you have. Are, are there any relationships where you, you know you've, you've spent some of your trust change? You've done some things that really have drained some of that trust away. Do you, do you need to build some of that? And this morning, are you willing to just ask God to help you be a trust builder? Let's pray together. Father, today, um, trust is so foundational in our relationships. All of us want trust from other people. We want them to count on us. We want them to believe us. We want them to have confidence in us. But trust isn't something that we can take from other people. It's something they have to give. And Father, this morning, we, we've talked about a few things that are really critical for trust to happen. We have to live up to our commitments. And God, my guess is that there are some of us today, as we're being honest before you, would have to admit that we've made some commitments to people that we haven't lived up to. We've made some promises that we haven't kept. And God, maybe, maybe some of us need to go back to some people that we said these things to and just own it. And just apologize for not doing what we said we would do. Some of us, Father, have, have honestly, we've, we know we've made some mistakes and we've hurt some people or we've done some things, but but some of us, God, if we were to be really honest today, we, we, we've not taken responsibility for it. We've blamed, we've excused, we've minimized, we've loopholed. But what we haven't done is owned our behavior and really turned toward you and asked for help to change. So, Father, today I, I pray for some people who they just need the strength to own their mistakes. They need to stop giving themselves excuses. They need to stop blaming other people. They just need to confess and forsake. And maybe then they can get a second chance. Father, I, I pray that you would help us to be a people who don't only just do what we're supposed to do, but I pray that you would help us be a people who go above and beyond. That that little phrase, and then some, would be what people would use when they would describe us. That like Joseph, we would be people that people could put in charge of something, and they, they wouldn't worry about it. When we said we would do it, they wouldn't worry about it anymore because they know we would do it. And they know we would go above and beyond. Father, I pray that we 
don't just treat people with the bare minimum of commitment that we can muster, but God, I pray that we truly would seek the trust from other people the way that we want to seek that trust from you. Whatever it is we do, help us to do it with all of our heart as though we were doing it unto you, Lord, and not unto people. Father, I have no doubt today that there are some people who need you to do some healing work in their relationships to restore and rebuild that trust. So I pray, Father, you'd put your hand upon some marriages today. I pray you'd put your hand upon some homes where trust needs to be rebuilt between parents and kids. I pray, Father, that you would do a healing work in some of our hearts and that you would begin to restore and rebuild those bridges that we need to have between us. Father God, we love you so much. We need you today. Help us to be, for the Lord, with all of the wisdom and strength that you can give us. Help us to be a people who are trust builders and not trust busters. In your precious name we pray. And everyone everywhere said, amen. Amen. 